0: Welcome to another episode of Health Affairs This Week. I'm Leslie Ertelak.
1: And
2: I'm Vabren Watts. And I'm Jessica Bylander.
0: It's New Year's Eve and we are hours away from 2021. We have another special, yeah, we have another special episode lined up this week where we'll get into some of the most important stories and headlines from 2020 that you might've missed while all the attention was on the COVID-19 pandemic. So last week, Rob and Chris joined me on the episode and I asked them how they were feeling uh, at the end of what's been a really long year. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm already looking ahead. And uh, with that, I always love hearing about people's resolutions. So do you guys have any?
2: Just thinking about some of the stuff that happened in early 2020, I literally can't believe it was the same year. So it's definitely been a long year. Um, I don't normally make resolutions. But, um, but I think, you know, if now is the time to do it, um, if ever there was a time to do it, it's now. For me, I mean, I'm a writer at heart. So I think my main resolution is to write more in 2021. um, On and off over the years, I squeeze in time to write, but I feel like I really just have to set something, write something that's set in like a global pandemic, because, It's so unprecedented that we've lived through this. And so while it's fresh on my mind, I definitely want to write something that kind of brings in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. I would read that. (laughs) It'll be a comedy, though. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, babe?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I I, I agree with Jessica. I'm I'm also a writer at at heart. Um, But um, one of the things that I really would like to do is really take advantage of like various. Online classes, like maybe like salsa dancing or like you know, just some hobbies. you know, like uh, I don't know what what is out there. I know one of my friends is taking a voice lessons class. so I think it would be interesting, you know, just to do that because you know when when you know during like regular times, sometimes you really do not have time to drive to the other side of the town to get somewhere. But considering the fact that you know now things are pretty much within your living room, it makes it more convenient, and I should have time to do it. So, That's what I'm going to try to do is to get a hobby. And if I take voice lessons, I'll get on here and do a concert for you.
0: Oh, that'd be great. (laughs) We will hold you accountable. That's what we do here.
1: (laughs) I hope this recording (laughs) (laughs) self-destructs.
0: Well, since nobody asked, I'm going to oh, tell sorry. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: sorry. <laughs> Leslie, what I, are
0: your resolutions for next year? I am actually doubling down on my resolutions from last year. I usually don't set any resolutions. I usually don't pick any. But last year I had two. Um, and my first was to drink more water. And that was easy. I'm, I'm happy to report this year I, I stayed hydrated. Um my other resolution that did not go so well was to reduce screen time and not spend so much time on my phone. Um but you know what? I doom scrolled my way through spring, summer and fall <laughs> just like everybody else. Um but I I won't let that deter me. Um and I'm really eager to see what 2021 has in store.
2: That's oh, yeah. a great goal. I, I need to adopt that goal. I won't, but I need to. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: how do you guys, let's get into today's episode. Um, last week, we covered three big stories in healthcare and health policy that our editors at Health Affairs agreed, maybe didn't get the attention we expected them to get because COVID-19 has dominated so much of the news cycle in twenty twenty. We talked about the 10th anniversary of the Affordable Care Act. We talked about antitrust cases in the healthcare arena and the rollback of environmental protections. So we're going to continue that conversation and and talk more about these stories that flew under the radar and why they're important. So Jess, let's get into the first topic with you. I think the... High cost of prescription drugs is just sort of this perennial concern that I keep hearing about, and policymakers have been looking at options to um, bring prices down.
2: Right. I mean, perennial is a good word for it. Um, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of talk about a couple of recent developments in the kind of quest to lower prescription drug costs. Um, It's obviously a huge issue in the U.S. Um, We just put out our annual report from CMS on health spending, and it found that prescription drug spending increased from 3.8% in 2018 to 5.7% in 2019. It's not the biggest jump we've seen, but it is kind of creeping back up there. Um, And uh, controlling the prescription drug cost was a big push of the Trump administration. This year, the main movement was through the form of proposed rules and finalized rules. So so two I want to talk about are um a rule that was finalized in September that would allow states to import prescription drugs from Canada. So that's one idea people have floated around because drugs typically cost less in Canada. So the idea is if we can just import the drugs from there, it's the same drug, you know, similar, if we can be insured that similar quality, then um, that will lower our spending. So so that was, you know, kind of a big step to get that rule finalized. Um, but there's still big challenges ahead. You know, we've written on the blog about some of the key challenges there. And, and probably the biggest is that it relies on people to cooperate. And so, Drug makers in the U.S. and in Canada um, need to cooperate, and then um, we need to cooperate with the Canadian government. And the fact is, it's actually not a popular proposal among drug makers or the Canadian government because it's, you know, for a variety of reasons. But um, but it just kind of op- could open up a can of worms. So there's a lot of um, sort of uh, there's a lot against it, I think. And then the other big challenge is that um, it could it could kind of put some more strain on FDA. Um, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which I think, as we all know, is already under um, a lot of strain, just kind of handling the review regulation um, of drugs in in the U.S. So that's that's where that one stands. And then, really, just last month, the administration finalized um, or in, issued an interim final rule on international um, reference pricing, which is something we've we've published on. It's just the idea that if we could tie the price of U.S. drugs to what other countries pay, then we'll end up paying less. Um, It's very complicated. That's like a really quick summary. Um, And so in November, it kind of felt like a last minute thing uh, that this interim final rule was pushed through, and um, they were calling it the most favored nation rule. And basically, it would um, tie what Medicare pays for certain high cost drugs to the lower prices that um, other comparable OECD countries pay. Um, and Rachel Sachs has written on the health affairs blog about kind of all these different drug pricing proposals, but most recently about the most favored nation rule. And, um, the bottom line from her is that these final rules are in substantial legal jeopardy. Um, and, and at least the reference pricing rule doesn't, doesn't look like it might hold up, but we'll see. And that's kind of where things stand. But, um, but really it does seem like the Trump administration was trying at the last minute to to come through on, on their big promises. Um, but I, I suspect will will it'll be a while before we see, um, any of these come to fruition.
0: Okay. Babe, you're up next. Uh, you're going to give us an overview of another story, um, that, that sort of got sh- overshadowed by, by COVID. And, um, that is, uh, the public charge rule, some of the controversy around it and where things stand today.
1: Yeah, um as, as you were saying, um public charge was definitely um, overshadowed, um like many things in um twenty twenty. Probably, um, you know, the last time where people really paid attention to public charge may have been in 2019. But you know, just b- before I go into this, I mean, I mean, some people actually asked the question, "What exactly is public charge?" So I just want to give you, you know, a background on what it is. So public charge um, has actually is a designation that has actually been around since 1882. So it's you know over. But almost one hundred and forty years, you know old of um of this type of designation. But the designation is actually given to individuals who primarily rely on u s. governmental cash assistance for their day-to-day expenses or um, who are likely to um, depend on this um, cash assistance, governmental cash assistance in the future. And in the case of immigrants, um, the, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services makes this public charge determination Um, which can deny an immigrant's admission into the US or ineligible to become a lawful permanent residence. And the lawful permanent residence was formerly known as a green card. So, you know, for, you know, those of us who remember the green card, this would keep you from getting something similar to a green card. So um, there are many factors that can deem someone as a public charge, um, such as individual's age, their health, income, their family size, education, as well as even skill sets. Now, it's it's very important to um, know that that no single factor alone uh, alone can determine a public charge status. It must be a multitude of factors to you know receive this um, um, determination. Um, so, in um, 2019, which is probably the, the probably one of the last times that we really heard a public charge and we really paid attention to it. Um, The government announced a new rule restricting poor immigrants from attaining lawful permanent residence. Um, Under this rule, which um, actually went into effect in early um, 2020, January to be exact, exact at the beginning of the year, legal immigrants who have received public benefits and assistance, including housing, for more than a total of 12 months within a three year period may be classified as a public charge and ineligible for permanent residency. So, you know, when this you know, went into um, effect at the beginning of 2020, um, there were actually a couple of, well, not a couple of, but quite a number of uh, of um, of cases who were working to actually block the rule, and a lot of these cases came up in in the summer to pretty much to, to December a couple of um, December second a couple of weeks ago. So um, during the summer um, there were um, a case um, in the Southern District Court of New York. They blocked the rule from being enforced um, during the COVID nineteen pandemic, and then in November the Northern District court in Illinois determined um, that the rule actually violated the Administrative Procedures Act. Um, And so, you know, it was unlawful in in Illinois to actually implement, you know, the public charge rule. However, the next day it was overturned and the state was allowed to enforce it again. However, since then, um, since December um, 2nd, the Ninth uh, Circuit Court's appeals upheld two preliminary injunctions that blocked um, the implementation of public charge, and at at the time, there are several states who are in um, who have banned the public charge rule. Um, that's to be exact, eighteen states and one district. And um, some of those states include um, states such as California, Virginia, Colorado, Maryland, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Hawaii. So. Um, so public charge has really been in the news from January to December. And it was sort of, you know, um, it, it, of course, because of COVID, it was sort of uh, overlooked, but that's just to give you an update on, you know, what is happening, you know, with public charge and what is going on.
0: Yeah. So there's this sort of phenomenon around the public charge rule that I think is really interesting. And we've, Published on it in the journal, and that's around sort of the chilling effects of um, not only you know the rule itself, but just what it signifies, what it means, um, you know, and just the mere announcement of the rule um, really dissuades people from using safety net programs, like you said, VABE, and um, on the other hand, you know, you you've we've seen cases um, where public officials are actually, um, you know, not providing accurate information, um, about, you know, eligibility requirements for some of these programs, because there is just this environment, um, um, you know, that that creates misinformation, um, or there's, there's political, um, sensitivity around the issue.
2: And I, I think that, Timing kind of couldn't be worse during the pandemic. I mean, this is a time when you want people to enroll in the safety net programs they're eligible for. Um, you know, I wrote in the journal about how the pandemic has threatened the safety net for so many US children, you know, who rely on school lunches, school breakfast, um, stuff like that, the healthcare services they could get in school. So now is definitely not the time you want to have that chilling effect and have people afraid to sign up for, um, you know, SNAP or Medicaid. So so it's definitely like a kind of a perfect storm.
0: There was a piece uh, recently um, talking about, um, we all know that, you know, the surge, the demand um, at food banks and food pantries has been really unprecedented and they're just overrun um, by demand during the pandemic. And um, in part, you know, they they said that's because people who are eligible for things like um, SNAP um, are actually afraid to apply for a public benefit. So I think it just sort of situates, um, you know, the COVID pandemic, the uh, economic crisis that we're facing, and just um, the the major concerns and and barriers to accessing safety net services. It's just um, an enormous challenge. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, on a lighter note, did you guys know that the Oxford English Dictionary could not pick just one word of the year for 2020? So in previous times, you know, there has always been one word that was used. But because of these unprecedented times, they actually had to make a list of words for 2020 because pretty much every month or each quarter of the year, there was always a different word.
2: That's fun. I mean, yeah, if I, if I were to try to sum up the year in a word, I think I'd be challenged too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, 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 like, I must say, like, what was your favorite word of the year, of 2020? I mean, there were several.
0: So I mentioned it at the top of the episode because I spent so much time doing it. But doom scrolling is my
2: word.
1: Doom scrolling. Okay. And that,
2: that's just when you're, like... Scrolling I'm through your timeline, reading, just like reading all the bad the news. Things. All the mm-hmm. bad, terrible news.
1: Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, Learning bad tragic, are, both men died, died, et
2: cetera. Yes. Very sad. Very, very <laughs> depressing year, yes. Um, for me, I think just a word that's kind of both silly and cute is quarantine, you know, T E. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, I had a very small quarantine. It was my husband and my little son. So, um, really, most mostly saw them all year. Um. But yeah, I, I, you know, I became very close with my quarantine. So that's a very kind of fun word to to summarize what was actually a very difficult thing to be so isolated during the year.
1: <laughs> so, so, so really, yeah, a lot of people played off the word quarantine this this year in in just many ways. Um, but I think my favorite word this year was social distancing. I mean, it was one of those words that like before you never heard it before, but once you heard it, you knew exactly what it was. It's one of those self, you know, explanatory words. So that was my word, um, which was social distancing. And, um, I'm sure people out there have, you know, you know, several, you know, different words and, uh, you know, the the Oxford English Dictionary just named a few, you know, including like melon was a big word, uh, vaccine, you know, was a word, uh, pandemic was a popular word. I mean, it's, it's several on the list. So you really, you know, just have to check it out and it'd be interesting to get, you know, everyone's word of the year.
2: Yeah, and interesting how many more words of the year related to science and health than probably is normal.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about probably I'm, I'm sure people's health literacy was increased and, and it was because you had no choice but for it to be increased. I mean, there were several several words that were, you know, spewed out there in the atmosphere like uh, people. I mean, I, I, I don't think we now every day, I think probably a lot of us use the word vaccine more than we've ever used before. You know,
0: like it's kind of one of those unintended consequences that I think we can actually be uh, happy about that. You know, COVID might have actually might be leading to better health literacy um, for, you know, the public at large. Um, You know, we all kind of got, you know, there's a a lot of uh, scientific words now being thrown at us. We're curious. We're looking them up. We're invested. And I think, um, you know, we're getting a crash course in so many aspects of public health and, you know, I'm hopeful that some of that it will carry over um, once we're through the pandemic.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it it most definitely will. I don't know if you guys heard of uh, they they released in the past couple of weeks about the Fauci effect. Really looking at you know medical school enrollment. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, medical school admissions have like uh, have like you know these record um, number you know um, admissions into medical school. So I mean, yeah. So health literacy and. Health care and health policy, you know, it did bring it out in the forefront, and I'm sure you all have probably seen, you know, this by, you know, being editors, you know, of um, of health affairs, and I'm sure we we've been able to, you know, gain new readership. You uh, know, yeah.
2: to- I know we have we, you know, our COVID content has been um, freely available to the public this year, so I know we've gotten a lot of new readers who who weren't. Previously familiar with the journal and and who came to us through our COVID content, so we hope they'll stick around in the coming years and read what else we have um, to publish and subscribe if it's if they so choose. But um, but yeah, it's definitely been a year of of um broadening our audiences.
0: Okay, guys, that should do it. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes of your day with us. On behalf of all of us at Health Affairs, we want to say Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year.
0: Year. (laughs) (laughs) And we hope you'll make it your resolution to share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you back next week.